1: Falling Skies After Show here on AfterBuzz TV, Season 5, Episode 6. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Phil Svitek, but I can't do this alone. With considerable help from Lauren LaGrasso, she is my co-host.
2: That is true. Hey, I'm Lauren, and you can find me at Logro.
1: That's right, and things are really ramping up. We know it's the final season. We've got a couple of episodes left. So if you're just joining us for the first time, be sure to subscribe. We've got a lot of things down the pipeline. We've got Drew Roy coming in next week.
2: Woo! It's going to be fun. I can't wait to meet him.
1: That's right. Uh, of course he's been here before, but, you know, we're gonna have fun with him talking about, you know, everything. And so, you don't wanna miss that if you're new. So Literally
2: just, everything. We're gonna talk about him, everything with him. That's right. Anything so you can imagine.
1: Hit that subscribe button, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever the, wherever you may listen to us, just hit subscribe. Also, communicate with us. There's so much we like to talk about, but that's only you and, and, and as much as uh, we can kinda get into it, there's stuff that, that we miss. Mm -hmm. you know and you guys kind of plug those holes and and it's been great kind of uh talking with you and uh if you're returning of course welcome so let's uh overall thoughts let's start there we sometimes we don't always do overall thoughts
2: i think that they've really stepped up their game starting with last episode and this one i'm really pleased with where it's going and i think they're getting a very strong start to the ending of the series um I just thought that this episode overall took you on a real journey. We got to see lots of, I mean, we, we got to see a whole new world that we haven't really had a view into for a long time in this show, and um I, I really enjoyed it overall.
1: Yeah, and I, I i really like, they have good pacing, right? So mm. last week's episode had sort of a lot of action, even though, you know, the second mass didn't quite get, get as far. And this episode, we kind of flip right around where, you know, the second mass is sort of they're a little bit stalled, but in a good way, right? They've found, they, they're they in Fayetteville, so mm-hmm. we're good. And, you know, the the rest is kind of, it's all it, it all takes a slower seat, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, there we have it. Let's start with Maggie speaking in the second mass because she, out of all characters, is frustrated. She wants her independence. And Lauren, I know you can't relate to having spikes per se,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the female part of it, you can relate to at least more than i can
2: yes but explain a little bit by what you mean in the female part of it <laughs> in the sense that
1: uh you know she's caught in a love triangle sure and we know how ben feels about her and all these things and you know and here's here's you know she just kind of finds out about how mm-hmm. you know very sp- spur of the moment type stuff right She's told not to go after him. You, you know that she is an amazing soldier. That she has to stay here. And look who's the second best soldier, or perhaps an equal. You know, number one is Ben, Benny Boy, the the guy that she has feelings towards, but she can't really control. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's at a cross. And here you have these these directions given to her by Anne who obviously she has a connection with, and as Anne later on says, you know, I- I've never lied to you, mm-hmm. I never went behind your back, that sort of thing. And so I'm trying to understand, obviously there's, there's you know, five seasons of understanding Maggie, and she is that sort of, she doesn't like anyone telling her what to do, and, and these spikes sort of tell her what to do, and, and by default, Anne has to tell her what to do.
2: Mm-hmm. She so, wants her independence. Yeah, so, so you know... As a woman, I obviously have never had alien spikes in my backs and been connected to another man through that. But the best thing I can probably compare it to or try to understand what she's thinking through is when you have a bunch of different people in your ear telling you these things. and You're like, well, what do I really feel? Because she's got these spikes that are telling her one thing. She's got Ben telling her one thing. She's got Hal telling her another thing. She's got Anne telling her something. She wants to know what she authentically feels and stand on her own two feet. And that's the best thing I can compare it, can compare it to. And I have been through that in my life. And so I have to commend her for that. I don't know if I would have had the guts to go through with that surgery, though, if I were her. Uh, I, I first of all would have been petrified of what Anne would have, not that she would have like killed me or anything, but she probably would have been very upset. Uh, I would have been scared. I wouldn't make it through. Um, I would have been scared. What if I do get out of this and I don't feel as strongly as I think about, I do about how, um, all these thoughts would have been going through my head. So the fact that she went through that was very courageous, very brave. Uh, I have to commend her. Fair enough.
1: It's very dicey. And it'll be interesting how it obviously affects all these various things. And you know, let's, let's talk about the fact that she didn't tell Ben. She she didn't even. And we'll talk about Anne and Koshi's, but let's start with Ben because they have that moment before the surgery where she, you know, he comes in like, "I heard you want to be alone," and it takes him a little bit to fully get the hint of like, "I want to be alone," particularly from you, right? So. And then you have the follow-up scene when she doesn't have her spikes. And it's just so heartbreaking. And I forget if this is the first time that he's saying it, but, you know, it basically tells her, I love you. And then she's like... "Mm."
2: That was the weirdest physical interaction, too. She basically went to his chest, put her hands on it, and then walked away. It was very strange. Not even a hug as a goodbye. Just a, let me feel your chest, heart still beating, I'll walk away now. I don't know if I'd interact that way. Even that's, if it's that's a good
1: way to interpret it. Heart it, is still, your your heart is not fully broken.
2: Good. I didn't kill you. Now I can walk away. I mean, I, I've done some crappy things when it comes. One time a guy told me he loved me and I pretended like I didn't hear it. It actually happened a couple times. That's really terrible. I feel really <laughs> bad about that. I'm sorry. Won't name names, but I'm sorry if you're watching this. Um, but to hear it, And have that motion and then walk away, I think, might be even stranger. Okay. But maybe not. Because at least she was acknowledging it in some way. But it was still a strange reaction, I thought.
1: So what do you say at that point? You just say, hey, you know what? I'm just not that, you know. I'm sorry. These spikes, you know, I felt the thing. No, I don't feel the thing
2: right i I mean, I think at least uh, some sort of acknowledgement that this is what's happening, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry I'm not in control of it, but this is where I am, and I love you as a person, but i I need to walk away because I don't want to hurt you more
1: and i what i what ultimately hurts the most you you know we've been talking about that it's the connection because of these spikes, but tonight, Ben reminds us that. He made a conscious decision beforehand. So in a way, he's saying, I've loved you before this. Mm-hmm. And the you know, I think what the hand symbolizes that I only loved you during this. Yeah, and poor little this, thing.
2: I'm letting you down easy.
1: And without this, there is no us. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a tough tilt to swallow. Yep. Uh,
2: that would be terrible.
1: How about, about coachy's really kind of uh, stepping up and... and in a human kind of way friendship
2: yeah well i thought that was interesting that he did bring in up the conflict he was having in himself that i know Anne mason is going to be so upset with me but she's the one who taught me to be this way i didn't fully understand though why Anne was able to more expertly yank out the final what you, spike i almost call it a bolt the final spike but Cochise was not. I mean, it's not necessarily going to come down to medical training at that point. It comes down to strength. So that was an interesting Does item it? to me. Well, why would that come down to medical training? You're yanking something out. He wasn't doing anything particularly expert besides he had the he, little he, pack on her. But f- that was f- it.
1: Fair enough. But what he was doing, you know, he just... As he said, which I love it, you know, I, I love Cochise and, you know, in many ways... I'm upset that, and I'm sure Ann is that, he even allowed, Maggie's had to be filled with these things of, you know, oh, you could be, yeah, totally. It'd be like me telling you, like, yeah, you could totally live in the Alaskan uh, wilderness. It's like, okay, you could, but you got to prepare for that, not go Mm -hmm. into it uh, willy-nilly.
2: But he didn't necessarily say, you're going to be completely fine. He's like, I'll try. You might be completely fine, but you might not.
1: But I, I think what ultimately the reason why he got Anne was because he knew that he had messed up, and at that particular moment, he didn't want to risk it. And so, I mean, you could call it a coward move that he didn't want to be responsible for what happened next.
2: No, I don't think it was a coward move. I wouldn't call it that. I just didn't understand how it logically made sense because I don't.
1: Logically, she's no better or worse. Right, so that that's off the table. It becomes psychological.
2: So maybe he was just worried in that moment, needed reassurance, and she was the reassurance he needed, and yep. she was able to go in there and take it out. Yeah. Okay.
1: I think that's what it comes down to. Again, it doesn't. It didn't. I don't think it had anything to do with skill. Okay. So
2: interesting. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, and because at that point, because he is so "quote unquote" humanized, you know, he feels like he let everybody down. And I, I think he did panic in that moment. It's like, all right, I need Dan.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I understand that. Uh, so been there,
1: but, uh, how about, I love coaches in this episode. One for that. Number two, th- there was a great added bit of humor from him. And, and again, it's never fully intentional with him, but when she says, would you like, to, would you care to explain? Not particularly. <laughs> so he's learning some, uh, honesty and sarcasm.
2: Yeah. Very human lessons. How about,
1: you know, obviously kind of, you know, I, I would love to talk about Anne and Maggie from a standalone point, but obviously the end um, scenes of the episode, you know, with, with the communications thing, and obviously we'll talk about that, but it kind of changed the dynamic of this because I, I was, you know, one of my questions was, okay, now what happens, right? You've literally just, let's say, lost your shoulder. Great. Maggie's not paralyzed, but she's, you know, she's walk walking around. She's as, got a limp. Yeah,
2: she's got a stanky leg. So,
1: <laughs> indeed. So it's it's one of those things of where, where does that leave her?
2: Where does that leave Maggie, or where does that leave Anne, or both? Or the second mass ultimately without. Well, do you think she's, I mean, I think she will repair herself. It's a question of when. So I wonder, I mean, obviously, if she was in the regular world, she'd need some physical therapy up in there, getting that backbone back in shape. But with that being said, physical therapy is not available. So I think she'll take some time to heal, maybe doing her own strengthening, ep- like, uh, exercises on her own. Um, but I don't know when she'll be back in commission, but when she is back in commission, I feel she will be a good soldier again. She hasn't lost all her strength, just her strength to communicate with aliens.
1: Uh, yeah, but there's obviously there's benefits to that. Like you get, you get, you know, there's that physical strength that you get from it, but it is what it is, Uh, you know? and, And again, that dynamic changes, um, it'll be interesting to see how, And and Maggie's dynamic, if it all changes, because of that, as I mentioned, that conversation of, I've never gone behind your back, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think, I think what will ultimately happen is that Anne gets it. Right. You know, she understood why.
2: Well, this goes along with our theme of the whole season thus far, which is the what's good for the one versus what's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, Maggie was clearly choosing to be selfish and she knew that.
1: She did say that, Mm -hmm. so you can't say that she wasn't aware.
2: Yeah, she explicitly said it, but she said, I have to choose myself right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, she did, and we'll find out if it has any negative effects. Speaking of, uh, you know, she's so excited to see how, and as she should be now, granted there's that small conversation of, you know, Maggie, this is Isabella, Isabella, this is Maggie, Isabella says, I've heard so much about you. Right. Maggie obviously knows nothing, but, you know, even if nothing did happen, like, that's just rightfully so. And, and actually, like, as a female, would you want your quote unquote boyfriend to talk about you to other women? Right. I mean, that, that would, that would well, hopefully not feel like. Well, if a little they were bit.
2: courting the other women, I mean.
1: Okay, but that is. But <laughs> hopefully that would
2: prevent it. Yeah, you would think. I don't know. I mean, I wonder how in depth they talked about the whole situation, you know?
1: <laughs> I mean, it looks like they got pretty deep.
2: Yeah, um, I I don't know that I would have had a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if they were talking about our problems, that might have made me a little irked. And hmm. I'm sure he was talking about their problems. Fair enough.
1: Uh, I mean, how would
2: me- you feel as a man if you were in that situation with a woman?
1: If I well, am I Maggie? You're Maggie. Hopefully, I would feel a little bit more reassured. I mean, the question becomes: at this point, what did they talk about? Because clearly, uh, Hal and Isabella kissed.
2: Right. Well, maybe there was a kiss more out of wow, we've both been through so much, you know. And they're very they were they just it come out that both of their dads were history teachers, so they're finding all these similarities. I think it was probably a multi layered kiss.
0: Okay.
1: So do you at this point, if you're Hal and Maggie, just kind of for, both forgive each other because it's quote-unquote spur of the moment, you couldn't control your feelings because she did that with Ben and Hal was very upset. Now if you take the isabella House situation, it's like, okay, we've neutralized it. I,
0: think
1: I did he, stuff, you did stuff, we're all good.
2: She could still be upset, but I think she has to be forgiving because if he was forgiving of her, then it would be hypocritical for her not to be forgiving of him.
1: Well, the only difference is that Obviously, he didn't have spikes. Like there was yeah,
2: but he had a semi broken heart from the way she was acting. So he was acting emotionally, which is just as good as spikes. They were on a break, Ross and Rachel style. We know how that ended for them. Actually, quite well. Sorry, spoiler alert.
1: (laughs) Oh man, if you guys don't get the TV show reference, that's all right. Yeah, you have nothing spoiled.
2: Yep, don't worry.
1: Um, fair enough. Speaking of that, you know, so anything kind of to add about? Hal and Isabella. I mean, where's where's Isabella going to fit into this? Um,
2: well, you brought up an interesting theory. What was that? That Isabella and Ben should hook up and then everyone's happy.
1: Uh, yeah, but I don't think it works like that. No,
2: but it should because that would be a nice little package. We could wrap it up with a bow. I don't think it's going to work like that either. And honest to God, I don't really know what's going to happen with her. I can't tell how she feels at this point. There... There was a little look between Maggie and Isabella and Hal at the last exchange there that made me think Maggie knew something had happened.
1: Well, because also, more importantly, Hal gave this look as soon as he saw Maggie.
2: Like, oh, crap. and I'm going to have to explain this to my new girlfriend, that my old girlfriend's here. Yeah. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm Hal.
1: I think it was literally uh, that type of situation, you know, and it, I, I like Isabella, you know, she had a great point about, you know, your dad must be a good guy because if if Pope hates him that much, he must be good.
2: <laughs>
1: so I, you know, I mean that an enemy reason. and my
2: enemy is my friend. Yeah, but I think I
1: luckily I think it's a little bit more positive than that. I'm
2: just tying it into the first episode.
1: Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get to check in on good old Pope, but. Yeah, I'm sure that will definitely you, come back. do you think back. he's alive? Oh, yeah. You do? You don't, here's the thing. I mean,
2: it wouldn't make sense if he was dead. They need to wrap that story up, so.
1: Yeah, you don't kill off a character like Pope.
2: Without giving him an ending.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, just Pope in general is like one of the biggest characters in this entire series. And what he did, you know, he completely flipped. You Yeah, you don't just let him go. You let him go for an episode and leave us wondering, mm-hmm. but you don't let him go. He'll come back.
2: The Pope will be coming back. Um, don't worry.
1: Speaking of uh speaking of come back, um, you know what? He might be driving in. Who knows? Yeah. But uh we've got uh we've been we've been telling you guys about Mazda, one of our sponsors of this show. And you know what? We still have the question for you. Does driving matter to you? Um, because you know what? If the answer, if the answer's yes, then great. If the answer you perhaps haven't really cared, then maybe driving should actually matter to you, because it does matter. Um, you know, do you like to drive with the windows down? The wind blowing through your hair. The smell of pine trees and fresh asphalt. I mean, Kyle would have loved that. Um, Colonel, we know Colonel Weaver loves that. Um, and certainly I think, uh, the, you know, that smell of returning to his family, um, uh, Tom Mason loved that. You know, but for you, are these the moments that you look forward to? Because, you know, one of the storylines that we'll talk about, you know, there's, there's beautiful moments. And sometimes you get to share them with your family. And, you know, when you're driving... That can be one of those moments. It's just you and the road and your family, you know, and especially on the road. There's no distractions. And imagine you're handling every turn, feeling every nuance of the road. And that's when you have to ask yourself, not just in general, that it's that moment. Does driving matter to you? Because if the answer is yes, then Mazda is your solution because driving truly matters.
2: Well said, Mazda. Well said,
1: <laughs> it's true. Uh, indeed.
2: does matter. We know that out here.
1: We know what matters. Mm-hmm. Falling Skies ask you the questions that matter, and so does Mazda. That's why we're aligned like that. Yep. Perfectly.
2: Bringing it all together.
1: Speaking of uh, Tom Mason and Kyle, let's talk about, you know, we we get a nice... First off, you thought... It, we... So let's backtrack real fast. We open up the episode, Tom Mason being alive. And you know what? There's There's some sort of guardian out there because Tom Mason... Is Should do- not
2: be alive right now. Let's face it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he has survived anything and everything at this point.
2: Yep. He's a cat. Nine lives.
1: Nine lives. So we're down to a few.
2: Yeah. Maybe four
1: but did, did, left. Did you think it was a flashback? Because, you know, we get the whole... I
2: sure did. I mean, for sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. But for half the episode, I was like, wait, is this going to be a dream at the end? Like Bob Newhart show style? <laughs>
1: I don't think once we got into it, I, no, don't, I no. don't think it was. Once we
2: got it, like, you know, once we got three minutes into what was happening, I was like, okay, that's that guy with the gun is not another alien. He's a real person. And the beginning, I I do think that maybe that that other force, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of the other aliens that are helping him, but the Rebecca aliens, mm-hmm. that they were maybe guiding him to those people. But I think obviously those people were real.
1: I think so. Uh, I agree and you know it was one of those things and I don't know if it was intended or not but just the way it was shot where we couldn't see the face you know so we assumed it was Rebecca's hands doing mm-hmm. this and um, you know just the way she spoke of you were wounded type stuff but again whether or not it was intended we sort of got that feeling and you know very quickly moved, moved on once we saw that it was more than that mm-hmm. Uh and I thought this was this was a great storyline because, obviously, it's all about family. And that's all what Tom has preached. And it kind of... What's nice about the storyline... Yes, um, the mother and him are kind of arguing about, you know, what's best for the boys. Or her family, rather. And they both kind of arc together. Where it's like... Yes, he should know... You know, Kyle should get to know the, about the war. It's his decision. But he should also get to stay behind. Because that's what really matters.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I like that. I like that, too. It's true. and I love that he said, this is what we're fighting for. I do wonder, though, how But because those
1: people... she she told him, you know, yeah, like, Yeah, she hey, told what... him
2: that. And then it, it took until that moment, I think, for it to really sink in and for him to be on the same page. Yeah. He's so in fight mode, even after everything, and he's had this rest with these people. Um, but he, I think once he saw his child... He realized, yeah, this is what it's all about. Yeah, this is life. This is literally the only thing that matters because you can't take anything else with you, except your interpersonal relationships and the love you gave.
1: Exactly, and you know, you can't, you can't just take. Because he does say, you know, to Kyle, like, yeah, you wouldn't make an excellent soldier, everything like that, and and the answer is, he still would, but you know, I don't know exactly if at all, whenever I don't know, I doubt we'll see these characters again. No. But but it's a nice sentiment to leave them on of, okay, you know, here, you know, your dad was a, because it's, it's echoed by the grandfather, it's echoed by everybody. Your father was a good man. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's time for Kyle to be that. And it is easy and it is cowardice to just leave them and go because how, they're not protected.
2: Right. And I love what he said. Your job is to stay here and fight for them and protect them. Keep yeah. them safe. Yeah. So I think he makes a great point there. I do wonder, though, how was that whole house completely untouched by these aliens? How do you uh, think that is? Are there other places like that in the United States and abroad?
1: I'm sure if they're secluded enough. You know, I mean, here's one of the questions that I'm sure will never be answered, but we <laughs> kept asking was, you know, what does Kyle do? I mean, you know, the war has been going on for three years. And they had a certain lifestyle before this and granted they moved here before the, the the war, um, if I remember the exact timeline the way the grandfather explained it. And so it's like you had friends, you had cell phones, you had the internet. Now you don't. Yeah. Did your mom just all of a sudden become like, you know what we are gonna give up all of life's Well they sort must of have entities. known
2: something was going down, but well, I, I wonder how Kyle. she explained it to them.
1: That's what I'm saying because obviously it, it, it didn't stick with Kyle and then, I think and the other kids.
2: About that too, like he's 15, he's not dumb. Like how would a 15 year old really not know what's going on? That's what I wrote. I don't think so. I don't know. My mom would have cracked and told me like the first day.
1: <laughs> oh, that's your mom. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I understand her viewpoint.
2: I totally get Absolutely. it. But at the same time, I think a 15 year old is smart enough to know something really weird is going on.
1: Well, especially like you can't drive anywhere i mean i i just asked you know i wanted to know these simple questions of, you can't
2: text your friends are all gone mysteriously
1: but even so let's say there's no, okay there's just no reception blah blah you know it's like okay
2: for three years. how do you how do you
1: get into town who's who do you like even small 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 towns there's other people to hang out with even if it's like one person
2: i mean yeah there's usually at least a couple there
1: but it seemed like they were quite you're not sac- going to
2: the store anymore you're not i wonder how they made that cornbread it looked really good
1: they grew their own corn
2: yeah but did they grow their own wheat too yeah did they say that
1: well they were
2: They farmers. said they were hunting rabbits
1: yeah and then they had their own chickens and everything yeah i yeah. mean there's a way to be self-sustaining
2: yeah it's you, just interesting. I mean, honest to God, I I guess I'm just thinking of myself in that situation. I would probably just have to I would make eat vegetables and meat. That would be all I could do.
1: That's what they did.
2: Yeah. But they made I mean, bread.
1: Yeah, but cornbread is not like it's not that fancy to make.
2: Oh. Well maybe you should make some next week and bring it in. We can eat it here on the After Buzz television. I mean show. think about
1: it. Like <laughs> they um you know I don't think they had milk because the potatoes, the the, the the food overall was... Plain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the potato, it wasn't mashed potatoes. It wasn't... They had no gravy. It was just, here's a potato.
2: Yeah. See, that made sense to me. I don't know. I got wrapped up on the cornbread. It's because I really like it.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you know, So I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to spend too much time on that portion of it, but uh, no. let us know if, if you thought... If these questions were raised by you as well, you know, feel free to write some answers, some some fan theories. We can write a whole uh, fan fiction about this family and what (laughs) happens to Kyle eventually. You know what? That might not be a bad idea. Maybe we'll just keep it going through comments, and everyone just adds a little bit. uh, You know.
2: Well, my theory is that when the war does end somehow Tom Mason, and I don't think we'll see this on the television show, but this is just an idea for any fan fiction out there. Maybe we'll write it together. We'll co-author a short novel about falling skies. Um, but I think that Tom Mason will seek them out in the future and they'll all get together, both families and have a large dinner with lots of cornbread and, um, and catch up. Cause I think they'd be good friends in the future.
1: Fair enough. Uh, yeah, you know, I I thought Kyle, the the actor that played Kyle, did a wonderful job. And there were a lot of great moments shared between them. Uh, the the drinking slash smoking scene. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> the drinking's okay, but hey, you shouldn't smoke. He's like, oh, thank God, you know. I hated it. <laughs> and he just puts out the cigarette.
2: Yeah. Uh, clearly he's trying it for novelty. Did he say girls? Why are you doing that? And he said girls? Yeah. So he's trying to seem cool to girls?
1: No, I think... Didn't Tom say uh, girls?
2: Maybe. Like, go- Someone did. was one of them. I don't remember who.
1: I believe it was Kyle asked, like, why do people think it's cool? And then Tom said girls. girls. See, it's women. They just ruin men.
2: Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think smoking is cool. I don't know a ton of girls who do. But maybe it's boys' projection onto women thinking that girls think smoking is cool. And that's why they start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> never know, never know. One thing though, I do want to say, and I, kudos to the actor overall; he did a great job. But I don't buy his instant reaction to wanting to be a fighter when Tom does reveal that this war is going on. I thought it was way too quick. I know he'd already seen the alien ship or whatever that thing was, a Mega Mech, Mega Mech. He'd already seen that. But I don't buy that you wouldn't have first a beat, at least a beat of shock, before you go. I'm going to be in the war
1: well i I think again you in that way you know he's we, we clearly know that he's known that there's something more mm-hmm. and i what theories and how he's been able to kind of get this information i th- I think to an, to a lesser extent he's known something sure, and so that's why it's not a big shock but if
2: but a beat, just a beat it was such a quick reaction, and it could have been the writing too, but uh, I didn't buy that. That moment was a little bit lost for me.
1: Well, it wasn't for sale.
2: Well, I guess then I wouldn't have been able to buy it anyway. I, Too yeah. bad.
1: Yeah, I think um, there were certain moments that, like, for example, when they drove out, you know, Hal and Isabella and, and obviously Tom, I thought the beat of the family kind of being together, I thought it was, it was a little bit quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we should have kind of, the music could have crescendoed a little bit more. hmm I think they just... I mean, this episode had a lot, and I think they definitely had to cut just for time.
2: Sure. I'm sure they were racing, but there was so much content. But I think that those beats were important, and certainly the episode was still powerful, but it would have been even more powerful if we had had a little time to breathe and kind of figure out what was going on there.
1: Mm -hmm. I think we could have sped up some of the earlier stuff in lieu of that. I mean, realistically, these TV shows—you get like eight days to cut an entire episode, and that includes editing, music, mm-hmm. co- colorization, uh, sound effects. So
2: yeah, it's a lot. I, I'm <laughs> not taking that for granted. I'm just saying,
1: I, you know, I it, because it definitely is a lot, and, and obviously each show is amazing. But the fact remains that uh, you know a 90 minute movie to a two hour movie, they get you know six seven sometimes well over a year of editing alone Mm -hmm. and then you have this like i said you get eight days to put it all together and it ends up being about 42 minutes so when you look at something that's you know let's take 90 minutes and you get six months for it let's say on average
2: huge difference sure but i still think that beat could have been taken i don't think it would have screwed too much up
1: Fair enough. Next time, we'll get your notes ahead of time. Yeah,
2: they got to get me on there. It's the only way this show can be a success. Just kidding. It's still amazing. Just one moment. Fair enough. Anything,
1: you know, overall, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought I thought it was beautiful. I thought the symbolism was very much there. And as I said, I think both Tom and, and the wife kind of arc together perfectly. You know, they both learned from each other, which I, I think was integral, Let's talk about the kiss. Oh yeah. Let's oh. start with you, because she, because it was her that did it. So,
2: <laughs> well, I, I had a feeling it was coming. Women it's
1: just can't control themselves. It's interesting because huh?
2: she, even without, she, she does kind of remind me of Rebecca. This woman, I mean, her looks are very, very similar. Yeah. So I thought maybe Tom was seeing some of that into her, in her too. I didn't think that he was feeling it the way she was. And it was a
1: family of three.
2: Yeah. And she had lost her husband and he had lost his first wife. Um, so there's lots of similarities there. Uh, it, it was awkward overall for me, but I, I wanted it for her because it's been so long since she's had any, you know, well, interaction so got- with anyone who's not in her family. Okay. It's one thing to <laughs>
1: have interaction. It's another thing that physical.
2: <laughs> I know, but I kind of mean that too. I, I know it was awkward and it wasn't the right timing. I understood why she did it though. I'm not saying it was the right move to make, but I understood it. She was just looking for comfort. Why? Come on, share what you think. No, th- okay, comfort <laughs> can be a hug. Sure it can be a hug, but she was feeling it in that moment. She it's went not like, for hey, it. let's go to the bedroom
1: right no, now. No, I'm not
2: saying it was the right move, but I get why she made it.
1: And that's just the horniness talking, that's not anything else.
2: Yeah. But I mean, but do you get that? I,
1: it, Sure,
2: yeah, come on. I know you do, so uh, yeah, it was awkward overall, though, of course,
1: um, but i'm glad I'm glad it was handled in the, in the right way, certainly by Tom, and mm-hmm. that he that he himself wasn't overtaken by the emotion, and he put a stop to it in a in a polite way, right, and you know she apologizes like oh i, and he's like, no, no, okay, we're we're good.
2: It was very real, I also want to say that because they easily could have made that a bit. And I'm glad that they didn't because it, it was, that's exactly how it would have gone down if that happened in real life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So kudos.
1: Also, uh, I, I do want to mention Tom's physical transformation at this point. You know, it's speaking of Pope, right? We, 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 we talked about Pope and he's changed, right? And we've been talking about how Tom's sort of changed as well. And, and you know, this could be that, you know, we, we started this season of like war is war. Everyone's a soldier. And this literally takes him away from that. Is there's different ways to be a soldier, and there's different people to kind of fill voids, um, and everyone's necessary. So he might be leaning away from that, and and this could be his part of it. Part of his physical transformation. He's got the goatee.
2: The goatee. Mm-hmm. So looks good. So yeah. very bold move to have the goatee. Goatee. You don't see that much on men these days.
1: It's very hard to maintain. Yes. You know,
2: I got to get that shape going. Actually, I have no idea, but it looks hard to maintain. And you can speak to that since you're a a shaving male. Well, I'm
1: just from the standpoint of, you know, it it requires maintenance. Mm -hmm. And when you're Tom Mason, you're you're planning on walking around to find.
2: It's going to grow in so awkward, too, because it's going to be really short on the ends and then thick in here
1: so exactly that's what i'm saying (laughs) so if you're gonna do anything you want to keep you want to keep the same you want to keep equality
2: now explain something to me because i'm i'm not sure how the whole facial hair situation works so will there be a point where these sides will be able to grow at the same length as this or do you think that this part will always be longer that will always yeah Yeah, that's gonna be awkward yeah okay.
0: Uh, Hair Growth 101.
2: Hair Growth 101, yeah. I mean, I thought so, but I wasn't positive since, thankfully, I've never had that much facial hair.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So let's talk about Marty, because he's obviously a huge catalyst towards uh, finding this communication uh, beacon, uh, whatever you want to call it. And Marty's just kind of... (laughs) <laughs> it's funny learning about him. He's just so uh, he, he, in servitude of, of Colonel Weaver. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you don't have to be. But if you want to be, get me a whiskey.
2: That actually surprisingly made me the most emotional out of everything in this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why so? It was so earnest seeing the way that he, first of all, felt so badly for the way he treated Weaver. And second, I and mean, this is kind of this at this point, this is the only connection he has in the entire world, so seeing how much he valued it, that he was willing to do anything for it, and he felt like he could never be good enough for it, it hurt me, huh
1: um and you, you thought that he had a drinking problem for a moment when he with the whiskey, yeah, before he finds we'll talk about that he just
2: on. looked so excited, I was worried that it was for his own benefit.
1: Well, he looked excited and nervous in the sense of, you know, when he found it, he's sniffing it. He's like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: should I take a swig right. or not?
2: And looking back on it, it's probably just he hasn't seen alcohol in a long time. One, two, he's excited to, you know, make his new friend happy. Um But yeah, I don't know. That made me nervous. I think I'm putting my own previous feelings on that just from an episode of Walking Dead, though, where they found alcohol and there was a guy there who was alcoholic. And it was a real problem. Stop
1: brain, this is not The Walking Dead.
2: It's not The Walking Dead, but it, there's similar, um, aspects Circum- to it. Circumstance. Yeah, circumstances, exactly. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have that thought at all, though?
1: Not, nah, I mean, I mean, you said it so fast that at that point it becomes like, hey, uh, don't think about elephants. Okay? <laughs> I'm thinking about elephants. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, it's pretty short lived because we find the communications, uh, sector. Mm-hmm. And it very much, you know, speaking of other things that relate to this, it felt very much like Lord of the Rings, you know, with the crystal ball thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in particular with that, it just always gives you false visions.
2: Right. That's not a, interesting.
1: Not false visions, true visions, but, uh, you never know time-wise where they are. And if, right. If you want a full explanation of what the hell I'm talking about, just literally watch the six hours worth of, uh, DVD bonus features and whatever else, because right. they, they go into it pretty well. Actually, I think it's on the third, I think it's on the actual Lord of the, uh, the, 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 the Return of the King. So there you go, I just saved you four hours.
2: Ah, oh, thank you, God.
1: All you have to do is watch those two hours. <laughs>
2: Um, and again, yeah, not the movie the behind the scenes, but he could be in, like what you said, interpreting it incorrectly because he doesn't know what he's seeing exactly. Why can't
1: Cochise touch it? Why did it have to be That's Colonel what Weaver? I was
2: thinking too. I'm like, why do we have to go straight from human to alien? Can't we at least do an alien to alien first and then see if it goes back and forth between our two beings?
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, again, I don't even know if like how he understood like this is the way to communicate with it or you know he just touches it and boom and I don't know what the overlord overload was caused by the overlords (laughs) no because it's you know what did you see the Ashveni overlords they're communicating like okay we kind of surmised that beforehand anyway Mm -hmm. so you just kind of confirm that which is great but what else you got right what are they communicating about where you, are they at.
2: Do you think that was a plot hole or just something that will be explained more in the future?
1: I think it'll be explained more in the future. But, uh, you know, if you had to assess this as an episode, that would be uh, whatever. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be it'd spot on the radar.
2: I also wonder if the Ashwini can read his mind when he touches the transmitter. or or
1: <laughs> or, or at least know that, hey, there's... Wow, we got an we got, we got intrusion here. here.
2: Let's go shoot him up.
1: Yeah. And by the way, you know, in general, if it is that important for the communication, you know, you would think that it'd be under a little bit of stronger surveillance. Mm-hmm. But. Right.
2: There'd be some sort of force field or at least skitters protecting it in some way.
1: Yeah. But no. And when as soon as Tom Mason comes in, it's a happy reunion. But Colonel Weaver, hey, we got we got to talk. And this is uh this can start this can be the first nail on that coffin to the Ishvani. hmm So we'll see.
2: And that's good because it's giving me hope that by the end of this series we might get a not a complete answer, but at least a, a partial answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe a complete answer.
1: Crazy prediction. And uh this is the prediction before we get the
2: predictions. <laughs> Pre uh, predictions. Predictions.
1: Uh, imagine if Pope is the only one who can read the communications device.
2: Where do you get that idea from?
1: Because, you know what? we got to bring back Pope in some sort of way. I don't... You know, <laughs> it's just crazy enough... It's just crazy enough to work.
2: Ah? Uh, well, you never know.
1: I don't know. I,
2: anything can happen. The skies are falling. Come
1: speaking on. Speaking of anything, let's talk about predictions and...
2: And now, you're After Buzz
0: TV predictions. Hmm.
1: So this teaser on a scale of oh yeah on a scale of 1 to 10 of 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 giving us actual insight no offense was like a 2 <laughs> and again i'm not here's the thing i don't necessarily prefer to know stuff anyway
2: and that way it was a good teaser though because it gave you just enough to be like what the heck was that i need more yeah
1: but there's there, at least there's stuff that you can start to speculate on this this allows for no speculation I don't think, unless you have like the world's, you have to be like a computer and ha- just just interpret possibilities <laughs> in some sort of way, which I am not. Again, you'd be you'd think that we we talk about the show every single week that based off of that we'd be able to formulate some ideas. and Maybe it's because we go up two minutes after seeing the show right, that we're we not haven't like, any
2: time to synthesize it, uh, yeah. which is difficult. Um, I think it did provide something though. What about when we saw uh, the the military men?
1: Okay, so... So that's
2: a little something to kind of sift through. Well,
1: we know we're in North Carolina, so... And we know that uh, we're we're trying to get to Mason's militia. And we've thus far assumed that Mason's militia is all good with Mason being on board. What if that... You know, Pope might not be the only one that, like, upon entry is like, Who is this guy?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Get him the hell out of here.
2: Interesting. So you think that Mason's militia could be to hurt Mason? No,
1: I don't think so. I just think Mason's militia, you have to look at, rather than look at it as a whole of they're good, they're bad, you have individuals. And if not, and that can be, you know, an individual person or it could be a, you know, individual factions of people. And so that could be an, you know, a faction of people that are just like, you know what, we've heard you, Tom Mason. We thought you were different. Um, you know what uh, but unfortunately, your tactics have let us down, and we disagree mm-hmm. boom, boom, I have no idea besides that <laughs> it, it's, it's, <laughs>
2: honestly,
1: these teasers are the most difficult to form any opinion around,
2: yeah, they are pretty uh cryptic sometimes. Yeah, that could be something. I don't know. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see these other people. Um, I think that this next episode might provide us with the most outside people we've seen in a good while.
1: Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, you know, we're shoot- we're certainly moving to an end. And so this will be interesting. I think this this episode, because this one, the one we just talked about, was a little bit slower paced. The next one is going to be boom, 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 action, action, action type mm-hmm. stuff. That's that's what I
2: predict. I think that's a correct prediction. I think we, uh, I, I
1: think we were, we've been slowed down enough, right? And now it's time to move, move, move.
2: I think we'll see what's going to happen between Maggie and Hal because you know something's got to happen. We need to. to find There's, gonna
1: out some information. There's
2: going to be a development. There's going to be whether
1: closure or not. I don't know. But I don't know if
2: it's going to be closure. Not in the next episode, but I think by the end of the series, we'll get some sort of closure. Um, and I think that we'll find out more information about the Eshveni messenger device.
1: Indeed. And Marty uh, will hopefully get a Medal of Honor or something. Oh, Marty. Alright, guys. (laughs) Thank you for joining us yet again on this after show for AfterBuzz TV for Falling Skies Season 5, Episode 6. As mentioned, next week, Drew Roy in studio barring any scheduling changes, things that come up last minute, so there's always that one chance. But as of right now, he's scheduled, we're scheduled, things are aligning, and I and regardless, we know he wants to come here, so it's just a matter of making things he happen. He wants
2: to be with us. Wants to be with you guys.
1: <laughs> you know, That's we're right. great. But you guys but are. But you're the
2: people. You're the ones.
1: You know, we mm. we're two of many that watch the show, but collectively we are the whole.
2: Yeah, collectively we are the Mason militia.
1: Uh, let us know your thoughts Let us know your opinions uh, Fan, Feel free to write some fan fiction about Kyle I think they would be a fun little I exercise. would
2: love to read that Oh, maybe we could read the best one on air
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be too long You know, just, just, just kind of broad strokes uh, mm-hmm. An outline, if you will
2: A short story, perhaps
1: So, alright, uh, one more time Where can the people follow you?
2: You can find me at Lolo Logro On Twitter and Instagram And Facebook.com slash Lauren LaGrasso
1: and follow us here at Afterbuzz TV, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. We'll see you next time with Drew Roy, hopefully. And of course, us next Sunday for Falling Skies.
0: Bye. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV Network.